It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good day, everyone. It is time for our last bit of hockey in 2021 with your San Jose Sharks playing host to the Philadelphia Flyers before heading out on a four-game road trip. Big picture, the Sharks sit at fifth place in the Pacific Division, 16 wins, 14 losses, one overtime loss, 33 points, three back of Edmonton, three back of Calgary, eight back of Anaheim, and nine back of first place Vegas. If we take a look at the wild card standings, the Sharks are currently at fourth in the West, same points as Winnipeg, three points back of Edmonton, and three points back of Colorado. So nothing getting away from the Sharks at this point. But for more on tonight's opponent, the Flyers, we are now joined by Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic. Charlie, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Hey, doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, man. I'm excited for hockey once again. The uh, the extended break without hockey, it's just not good for my life. I'm sure it's not good for you either. We find ourselves without our, uh, our normal nighttime entertainment at the very least. But, um, you know, I guess I'll ask you is, you know, what... I guess we can look at the obvious and, and coaching changes and things like that, but this Flyers team is, you know, five out of six. They've won. They're looking a lot more like the team that I think I thought they would be. Maybe, you know, you think that as well. What What's the change all of a sudden? Yeah, you know, there, there are a few things I think that have changed for the Flyers. Number one, you know, I definitely think that it had reached the point with with Elaine Vigneault, um, who I certainly don't think is is a bad coach, but I just think it had reached the point where his message just was was falling on deaf ears. You know, it, it had kind of run its course that the team had sort of tuned him out and you make a coaching change. And obviously, Mike Yo was part of the coaching staff. He's an interim head coach. He was an assistant under Vigneault. But mm -hmm. I get the sense that the players, you know, connected better with him, you know, even as they were maybe losing faith in the Vigneault system, you know, they, they still respect it and uh and connect it well with mike yo and i think that's carried over you know there's definitely you know more jump in the flyer stride since the coaching change i think in a sense a lot of the players are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with vino by the end you know obviously they had that 10 game winless streak um that ended shortly after the coaching change was made so i think that was part of it another part of it truthfully um, it's just that the schedule's gotten a bit easier. You know, mm -hmm. one thing about that that winless streak and the the skid the Flyers are in in November and early December is that they were playing against a lot of really good teams. You know, they were playing against Tampa. They were playing against Carolina. They were playing against Florida. They were playing on a nightly basis pretty much Colorado. They were playing against some of the best teams in the league. And since the coaching change, the schedule's opened up a bit. You know, the, yeah, they've had some tougher games. You know, they had they had Vegas, mm -hmm. um, but they've also had, you know, teams like Ottawa, the, the Devils, the, the, the Canadians, you know, the, the Coyotes. So a lot of it, I think, is just naturally getting better because they're not facing a juggernaut every single night. Yeah. And granted, like, it's still an improvement because they were games they were losing during the worst of their run where they were playing against not great teams and they were getting killed by them anyway. So they have got 
gotten better, but it's it's a much more manageable slate. I think that's a big reason why they've uh, they've started to rack up the wins over the last couple of weeks. In terms of the sustainability of the success they've had, I mean, obviously you don't expect them to win five out of six for the rest of the way, but do you think that this is a, a paradigm shift in how the season's going to go for them, or do you think that it's more just a correction from what maybe they were capable of doing from previously? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, and, and I think Mike Yo understands that the Flyers are not structurally where they need to be. You know, the Flyers won last night. They beat the Seattle Kraken 3-2 in overtime. But for the first two periods of that game, the Flyers played really bad. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, you know, Mike Yo was open about after the game. Claude Drew was actually interviewed uh, after the first period by uh, by the local broadcast network. And he basically said that we played terrible in the first. So they know they're not where they need to be, you know, from an underlying process standpoint. The question is just, you know, can they get to that point? And if they can, how long is it going to take? Because the schedule isn't going to, you know, be this manageable forever. You know, after they get back from this, uh, this West coast swing, you know, they play the penguins, they play the hurricanes, they play the Bruins, you know, that they, they get another rough slate of really good teams that are, that are contenders in their conference. So, you know, I think the, the big question for the flyers is whether they can use the practice time they're going to be getting, you know, and they can use the mm-hmm. uh, the video time they're going to be getting with Mike Yo, um, who's implementing definitely implementing changes to to their tactics and their overall philosophy. If they can use that time to really make the kind of true underlying improvements they need to make in order to really get back into this race, you know, I know they're 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 only a little bit out of a playoff spot mm-hmm. right now, but you know. My expectation is that when Boston starts catching up in terms of the games they have to play, they're going to blast right by the Flyers. Like the Flyers are going to need to to really play great hockey the rest of the way to make up for all the losses that they racked up in, in November and December. And right now, I don't think they're playing quite at that level, but I'm not ruling out the possibility they can get there given time and and more adjustments to the way they're playing. What are the tactical or systemic changes that the team has made uh, since the coaching change? Sure. So, you know, right now, I think they're kind of sort of in the middle of it. So it's kind of tough to, to fully evaluate what adjustments are being made until they fully take effect. I do think, though, that they've really focused on um, breakouts and on cutting down on the size of the gaps between the defensemen and the forwards. Um, under Vino, especially by the end, they were really looking for home run passes a lot. You know, guys were mm-hmm. blasting the defensive zone early. The forwards were you know looking for stretch passes, looking for odd man rushes. And the result was was that there were a lot of passes that were going incomplete. There were a lot of, you know, turnovers in the neutral zone. There was the breakouts weren't clean. There was a lot of off the glass and out if those passes weren't there. And I think one thing that, that Yo has been preaching is the idea of, you know, the forwards staying closer to the defenseman so that there's, there's shorter passes, you know, more manageable passes for the defense, you know, more controlled exits out of the defensive zone. And then as a byproduct of that, you have more speed going through the neutral zone. You're more likely to carry the puck into the offensive zone because, you've moved it up methodically, you know, from the defensive, the defensive end to the neutral zone to the offensive zone. So I think that's, that's a major philosophical change that they're trying to implement. Now, whether they can fully implement it, it's going to come down to, you know, whether the players execute and whether the coaches can, can make the necessary, you know, tactical tweaks, but that's a big thing they're working on. I also think that, they're adjusting, you know, a little bit of the, the risk reward mentality in terms of, you know, I think under Vino, they were playing a bit too much dump and chase. Um, they weren't gaining the offensive zone with enough control, you know, 
often enough. I think they're trying to adjust that mentality where, you know, whereas before it was, if there's any chance of a turnover, just dump it in and kind mm. of play, play for the next play. Now there's maybe a little bit more freedom, you know, on the part of the coaching staff given to the players of like, yeah, you know, if there's a turnover, it maybe isn't the end of the world, maybe try to make a play a little bit more. So I think those are, you know, some of the philosophical changes that are being implemented, but you know, the flyers aren't all the way there. They're, they're, they still have a long way to go to, to be the, the structural team that, that they'll need to be in order to really take a run at this playoff spot. Uh, Carter Hart is, you know, playing very, very well, taking care of business be between the pipes. Um, is the, you know, playing about two out of every three games, is that going to have to change for his numbers to stay up? Um, you know, he's been really good. And I actually think his numbers kind of undersell how how well he's been playing. You know, he's at a nine eighteen save percentage, but the Flyers for long stretches this season have not played well mm -hmm. defensively. They've been giving up a ton of shots, a ton of chances, and he he's really done a great job holding down the fort. Now, granted, right now he's in COVID protocol, so he's he's not available for for tonight's game. You know, and remains to be seen how long he'll be out for. But in fairness, you know, Martin Jones has been pretty solid for the Flyers. Obviously, you know, San Jose fans are, are very familiar with him. You know, the, the previous three years were not not good seasons as a starter for Martin Jones, <laughs> but uh, he's been pretty solid in Philadelphia. You know, he's, he's reunited with Kim Dillaball, who was his kind of goalie tutor in LA, you mm -hmm. know, before he was, he was moved to San Jose. I think that relationship has, has benefited him and, uh, and probably just the knowledge that he doesn't have to play every game. You know, he can kind of work his way out of struggles rather than just continue to be thrown out there. That's probably helped him too. Like he was the only reason why the flyers survived those first two periods last night in Seattle, because Martin Jones pretty much stood on his head and kept the Flyers in it when they were creating essentially nothing. So I don't think the Flyers are in a position where like they have to throw Carter Hart out there every single night because Jones has been a perfectly solid backup. That said, I mean, Carter Hart's the better goalie. So you want to play him more if he's available because he's just the more talented, more consistent netminder. It's remarkable with Jones because he was 896 for the last three seasons and now he's jumped up to 911 and, you know, just in the limited appearances I've watched just because you know I like Martin Jones I, I really enjoyed him in San Jose took the team to a Stanley Cup final and he you know I always thought he was very very good and I thought that he was one of those guys who needed a change and I think that's definitely what what happened but I mean it's a pretty substantial jump to to make from one year to the next the way he's done um you know I'm just curious it, does he seem at ease to you does he seem pretty comfortable I know you alluded to reuniting with a coach but it just he looks just much more confident in net that he did the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to exactly what happened in San Jose because, you know, obviously I didn't watch him on a nightly basis, but he does oh, see. Come on, you don't want to stay up till one in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, San Jose, th th those games, you know, when, when the Sharks were were a contender, that, that team was fun to watch. So yeah. I, I definitely watched my fair share of, of Sharks <laughs> games when they were a Western Conference power. Maybe not so much over the last couple of years, but um, but yeah, so uh, Jones, you know, he looks calm. He looks like he's in more control. I agree. And again, I think the, you know, the reunion with Kim Dillaball has helped. Um, I think Dillaball definitely has a strong relationship with him. And I think that played into why Jones was interested in, in signing with Philadelphia, um, you know, after the buyout, because, you know, he knows that, or he knew that his career kind of needed a reset. You know, this is a guy mm -hmm. who at one time, you know, maybe wasn't an elite NHL goalie, but was certainly a good one, was certainly a good starter and, and, and a guy who could be the starting goalie on a contender. And I mean, 
I'm sure it's a bit of a humbling experience for him to now have to, to function as a backup, but I think it was kind of a necessary step back for him. You know, he's not, he's not that old, you know, he could turn yeah. this, he could turn this whole thing around and, you know, maybe he's only on a one-year deal with the flyers. So maybe if he continues to have a strong season, maybe he gets another shot somewhere as more of a, more of a tandem goalie, you know, a guy who could potentially take the number one job and you know, so far so good in Philadelphia for him. You know, I give Jones a lot of credit for, uh, you know, for, for what appears to be turning it around after after three really uh you know really i guess underwhelming seasons in san jose to close out his time there what did you think about you know the fact that claude Giroux has been doing his thing but maybe that was not the way it should have been um planned out all year long i know you wrote about that a little bit i mean is it i guess is it the the viewpoint of he, there should be more production from other players or is it just this is what he's going to do regardless of whether or not the onus should be entirely on him yeah, I mean, credit to Claude Giroux. You know, I didn't expect him to still be this effective at his age. You know, he turns 34 uh, next month in January. And you maybe expected a bit more regression, you know, from him as he's moved into his mid-30s and you just haven't seen it. That mm-hmm. said, you know, they went through, the Flyers went through and extended what they called a retooling, but it basically was a rebuild. You know, they they stockpiled draft picks. They traded away players like Braden Shen. You know, they were they were looking to add high-end talent and right now it's looking like the only guy who has you know impact star level potential is carter hart that they got out of that retool and i think realistically they were hoping for more they were hoping for at least a few skaters you know obviously they lucked into the second overall pick they won the lottery in 2017 they take nolan patrick he doesn't turn out the way they expected him to. And the, the three picks after him were Mira Haskinen, Kale McCarr, and Elias Patterson. So it's like you get one of those guys, then Claude Giroux doesn't have to be the guy in Philadelphia. But because you couldn't, you know, nail that pick, Claude Giroux still kind of has to be the guy. You mm-hmm. know, Sean Gatoure has been battling injuries this year. So he hasn't been, you know, his his usual self. But even if Gatoure was healthy, I mean, Giroux is still probably the Flyers, at least the Flyers' most talented offensive weapon. Gatorade might be a better all-around player mm-hmm. when he's healthy, but Drew's still their most dynamic offensive player. And, you know, look, I, I love watching Claude Drew play. He's obviously been an institution in Philadelphia for, for over a decade now, but the plan in Philadelphia was not for Claude Drew to still be the team's <laughs> best skater in 2021. And unfortunately for the Flyers, he is. And I think that goes a long way towards towards saying, you know, why the Flyers haven't, you know, jumped back to the top of the, the league standings. Like I think they were hoping they would be by this point. Do you think that that can that can change, though? I mean, it, it almost as as we see this rectification happening, is it a good problem to have if other guys suddenly start playing more up to their capability under the new system, which is, you know, from from my viewpoint and from what you said, it sounds like more like simplify the game you know, kind of go for, it's actually similar to what Sharks head coach Bob Bugner preaches. Don't go for the home run pass, you know, get, get the short passes, make it connect, make it work up and down the ice. Oh, to be sure. And, and I'm sure that, you know, there will be players on the flyers who will play better, you know, under, uh, under the new, the new regime, you know, whether it remains Mike Yo and for now it appears it's going to, or they go out and, and hire a coach from, from the outside that said, you know, there are guys on this team that I think they had higher hopes for. I think, you know, Travis Konechny in 2019, 2020, he looked like he was turning into a star. You know, he was, he was scoring at nearly a point per game pace. He cleaned up his two way play. It looked like he was kind of taking that leap. And then over the past, you know, in, in 2020, 2021, and so far this season, you know, he just kind of looks like a good player. 
You know, he looks like a good, useful second line winger and that's fine. And I mean, I guarantee you there are 30 teams, 31 teams in the NHL that would love to have a Travis Konechny, but <laughs> he's not going to be, it looks like at this point, you know, the Claude Giroux replacement. It doesn't look like at this point that Joel Farabee is going to be the Claude Giroux replacement that, that Ivan Provorov is going to turn into a yearly Norris contender. Like these are all good players. I'm not saying that they're not useful. They're not, you know, very solid pieces that could be, you know, legitimate contributors on a contending team it's just that none of them at this point appear to be developing into the kind of Giroux replacement type of guy that I think they were hoping that you know one or more of these guys might turn into and that's the the issue the Flyers are running into is that do they have you know true high-end talent from a skater standpoint to step in when Giroux either inevitably does regress because of age or when he leaves because he's in the last year of his contract and there's no guarantee that you know he doesn't look at this team you know come come March and say I haven't won a Stanley Cup you know I have a no movement clause but I might want to chase down a ring mm -hmm. before I'm done while I'm still you know a really good player and I don't think anybody would be grudging that you know he's earned the right to decide you know how his Philadelphia career ends and there's no guarantee he's going to stay so if he leaves whether via trade or whether he just doesn't resign in the offseason you know and they don't have anyone to to replace that production and that dynamic impact you know the Flyers will be in a tough spot and they're going to have to ask some hard questions as to you know what they should do next what are you looking for in this game tonight and maybe from the viewpoint of what what do you what do you look for for the flyers in this game for them to be having a good game against the sharks especially on the second night of a back-to-back yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated to see how the Flyers are going to come out tonight because, as I said, you know, they did not play a good first two periods in Seattle, and that was the first game of back-to-back. -back. So they did play better in third. Obviously, they won the game in overtime. So the goal from their standpoint is going to be, you know, to try and essentially carry over that momentum from the third, where they show that you know they still can execute. It's not like they were exhausted because if they were exhausted from the trip or whatever, they wouldn't have played better in the third period when generally your legs are heavier mm -hmm. that said i mean it's it is the bad it is a back-to-back -back. they did fly across the country you know two days ago and uh and they didn't play all that great of a game last night so I don't know what Flyers team we're going to see tonight. You know, if they can carry over the, the third period execution, they could play pretty well. And if they don't, then the Sharks might be all over them from the start. And then it's going to come down to, you know, whether the net mining can keep them in the game like it did in Seattle. And by that, by that token, I don't know who's going to be the starter because. Yeah, I was I was wondering <laughs> that because Martin Jones actually has got pretty good numbers over his career in back to backs. Yeah. And he said that, he, you know, he's certainly if, if his number's called, if he's going to play the second game of back to back, he can do it. And he's he's happy to do it. We talked to Mike Yo earlier this week and asked him, you know, if he's going to, you know, try to start Martin Jones in both games or if they're going to go with the rookie Felix Sandstrom, who has never started a game in the NHL right so far. Um, because obviously Carter Hart's on COVID protocol mm -hmm. isn't out, isn't out there with the team. And yo basically said a lot of it's going to depend on the workload that Martin Jones faces in the first game of the back-to-back. -back. Well, he faced a pretty heavy <laughs> workload. Yeah. So Mike, yo has a, as has an interesting decision on his hands as to whether, you know, he's still going to go with Martin Jones, despite the fact that he was under fire under a real barrage against the, the, the Kraken last night. Um, that said, you know, it's, it's tough to throw a guy like Felix Sandstrom to the wolves 
on a road trip. You know, obviously it's not like the Sharks are, you know, one of the best teams in hockey, but they're, they're not, a, they're not a bad team. It's not like he's facing against Arizona. Um, so it'll be interesting if he, uh, if, if he goes with Jones, obviously with Jones, there's the, you know, playing as your former team factor. So I'm sure he wants this game. Um, but there's always the risk of, you know, him being tired, you know, possibly an injury. And when you're already, you know, lacking Carter hard, do you mm-hmm. want to risk that? So it'll be an interesting decision to, to you know, to see what, uh, what Yo decides tonight. Charlie, brilliant stuff, man. Really appreciate your time and your work with The Athletic. I hope we can do it again soon, all right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me, Ted. Again, that was Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic joining us here on The Buildup. Sharks need to string some wins together, especially before they go out onto the road, and they were able to gut out a win in very interesting fashion, for lack of a better term, against Arizona on Tuesday night, 8-7 in a shootout. Let's see if the Sharks can do things with a bit more precision, accuracy, and grace tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. Also, just to keep you up on some news from around the hockey world, the World Junior Championship has been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. The United States, Czechia, Russia all had to forfeit games, and this decision was made during a meeting on Wednesday. But that wraps it up for this edition of The Buildup as we get you ready for tonight's game against the Flyers. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 go time. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Episodes of this podcast can be listened to anytime on the Sharks and SAP Center app and are available for download under the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google.